We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers got a hard-fought win on Saturday in New York. Really fun game. Teams came out in the first quarter. Neither team could hit the side of a barn with the jump shot, but very competitive. Uh, Lakers pulled ahead a bit in the beginning parts of the second quarter. Bench played really well. Can't wait to talk about Max and Jackson Hayes with you guys. High game at halftime. The Knicks come out and have a strong third quarter. Lakers have a real hard time guarding Jalen Brunson. Obviously, Lakers without their three top point of attack defenders. And in the fourth quarter, Lakers spring a trap on them and they start helping in isolation. Lakers were switching a ton. Uh, Knicks kept choosing Austin Reeves. Then Torian Prince would come over and double. And Lakers did a phenomenal job of rotating on the back line, held the Knicks scoreless for about six minutes and 30 seconds until the game was basically over. And so the Lakers get a win, and somehow, Mike, we are a game in Charlotte away from a 4-2 and two road trip out of freaking nowhere on the Grammy trip, really one of the more memorable Grammy trips that I can remember. And all of this is happening in the context of the trade deadline is on Thursday. We get bad news on Vando and possibly worse news, according to some reports that he may be out for the year. We'll know more soon. That, I think, changes the calculus at the trade deadline. And last but not least, Kobe's statue goes up on Thursday. So a jam-packed week, guys, of uh, Lakers basketball. But Mike, you're sitting in a, in a hotel room, presumably in Charlotte right now. And Lakers, how, how the heck did this all happen? This came out of nowhere. Yeah. So first of all, the hotel room, this is the sixth hotel that we've been in in the last you know 11 days, uh, I think. And this is the first time that I forgot my room number. Uh, when I went down, uh, went down to the lobby to grab something, and I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> which was this again?" Uh, I know I'm on the, I know I'm on the 14th floor, but which you know, so that stuff. How that often stuff does happens. that happen, Mike? How often does that happen? It not a ton, but on these long trips, it will happen. If it's a five or six game trip, then it, at least once, I feel like if I will, I will forget what floor I'm on or what, uh, in, you know, cause you, you get your envelope. Well, uh, that's a, that's a longer story, but the quick part of it is that we, lo- their envelopes are waiting for you, right? When you enter, everything is made super mm-hmm. easy for the NBA teams. And so 
a lot of times the luggage truck won't arrive right when the buses arrive. Sometimes it takes a little, little bit longer. So you'll come up in that first wave, drop off your, you know, your backpack and whatever else, and then have to go back down to get the luggage. And if you don't, you know, really focus on what your room is because you're looking at the envelope and you go back down, that's when <laughs> yeah. it, that's when it can happen. You know, and then I have to text the person that makes the room list be like, hey man, sorry about that. Uh, what room am I, am I in again? And it, it doesn't happen a ton, but it happened today. So basically we're uh, ready to come back home. and. The team has to fight that <laughs> urge off, uh, right, to play play against Charlotte. I think it helps that Charlotte is has one of the least talented available rosters right now in recent NBA history. But uh, I wanted to hit on what you said, like what happened? What happened on this trip? The Boston game was the thing that that, that was the, that was the enabler here. Like that was the game. No LeBron, no AD going in. Uh, Boston playing how they played, and it just seemed a foregone conclusion that even if the Lakers started great which they did. And even if they led at halftime by a lot, which they did. And even if uh, they continue to lead in the third quarter, Boston has to make some kind of run, don't they? And, and no, they couldn't. They, the Lakers really held them off uh, to such an extent that I think that buoyed them some as a team going into New York, but they were going to play well in that game anyway. Like if it was 8.30, prime time, ABC, LeBron and AD were coming back. Uh, they, like New York was super shorthanded. And without Julius Randle specifically, who's been such a constant there and, you know, Julius has his flaws, but he's been one of the most available players in the NBA um, for really his whole career now. And they've relied upon that, uh, that source of offense. And once the Lakers were able to key in on Brunson better and launch those traps, they had nowhere else to go from a creation standpoint. And so I think that was uh, that was like a, a great recipe for the Lakers to win against a team that pushed super hard on the offensive glass. They had 18 offensive rebounds to the Lakers three, even though that was the top of the scouting report. So what that tells you is you just can't, you can't keep them off the glass. They've got too many players that are too good at it with not just Hart and Hartenstein, but Achua. Uh, and so that, that game, I think, went as it should have gone. And now, Darius, the Lakers find themselves with a chance to get to four and two, which I think would have been the ideal uh, as we before the Lakers went on the trip. It's like, man, there's some tough games there. If they can go four and two, uh, that would really be something. And th- the way that they did it didn't necessarily it wasn't how you would have drawn it up on paper after getting blown yeah. out in Houston and Atlanta the and, and having AD not play. But, uh, you know, it does. It does make a little bit more sense in hindsight when you consider that like the games in Houston and Atlanta, those teams were queued up for the Lakers in a way um, and the Lakers were not that that it makes sense why those games went how they did. It's just the Boston one to me um, that is the key pivot point and in the one that gives the Lakers a chance to really build some momentum if they can just knock off Charlotte. Yeah, this is exactly what I wrote in three things, Mike, that will go up at some point today for the preview against the Hornets. It's like there were. Six game trip, four teams under 500 and two of the teams that were playing the best basketball in the league and sort of near the top of the Eastern Conference. And after the Hawks gave Pete, LeBron said, like, on any given night, we could beat anyone. Yep. And on any given night, we can get our asses kicked by anyone. And... Nowhere has has that been more true than on this Makes me worried about the Charlotte game, honestly. (laughs) Well, no. And and so the fact that LeBron has been so vocal about needing to be mentally locked in to to this game, we will see if that's what comes of it. It's great for LeBron to say that, but him and AD are actually going to need the support from the quote-unquote energy guys. And and so um, it will be important to talk about Max and Jackson 
within this context because I think that their general athleticism and length and the motor that they play with is important to this team. Bando's as well, right? But with him out, I think mm-hmm. Max sort of steps in a little bit to, yeah, to that sort, more sort of role. in that respect. Absolutely. A good trip so far, three and two. They really need this one tonight. I'm, I'm super interested in sort of the shape of the team now. And you, you mentioned at the top, like the trade deadline's coming. The Kobe statue is going to be unveiled on the same day as the trade deadline, which is not necessarily Playing ideal. Denver too. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's just a lot going on right now. Um, the all-star break is just like another nine days away or so. And so this is normally the time of the season where it is mentally easy to sort of slide in to a part of that recessed part of your brain where you start to think about like where you're going to go on vacation if you're not going to go to the All-Star game. Um, and we'll have some talk about the All-Star game probably towards the end of the sure. pod. I got some propane and a lighter for, ah, for Mike, right. to, yes. Mike to get cooking. But um, the Lakers have no such luxuries right now. They are just a game over 500, and all of these games are super important. And the sort of fine-tuning of the mental part of this with the Kobe stuff that's out there, it's just an interesting time for the team. And I'm wondering how you zoom out, or when you zoom out, how you're taking full stock of everything that's out there. Well, you're talking about the shape of the team. And so in the context of a zoom out, one thing that we haven't mentioned so far is the thing that we've been pounding the table about for the last minute on the pod, they changed the starting lineup, right? We uh, The Boston game, both LeBron and AD were out, but we started really, Prince went to the bench. Now, Prince closed the game, which I think was an essential thing within the traps, but I sent you guys this uh, this text yesterday of several paragraphs of like, I'm actually suddenly very excited out of nowhere, and it's not just because of the wins, it's because of like material things that are happening with the team. And so the Vando news definitely throws a lot of cold water on that. But you guys know I've been wanting the the starting lineup to have either a Rui or a Vando in it for for ages, as we all have. Um, That finally happened. Also, for as much as we've talked about the fit of Prince with D'Lo and Austin and how combined their physicality isn't enough, I love the Prince and Max duo. I think they complement each other really well. I also think that the... Our our offense looks great. I've got a video posting. It'll post in 10 minutes from the moment I'm recording this now on AD's post-passing. He's averaging five assists per game over the last month. And that is happening within the context of the five-out offense really clicking in the last month to six weeks. Um, Seeing our level of passing, the the frequency that we hit 30 assists. There was a play D where we posted it on Lakers social yesterday where Austin made that sweet left-handed behind Brunson's back pass to Prince in the corner. And that was obviously the highlight of the play, but the whole play was kind of indicative of the progress that we've made on the offensive end to me. The book out on our guards in particular is be physical with them, right? Get up into them, ball pressure them, and you're playing a Tom Thibodeau team, which is like, that's what they're going to do. And so the Lakers were in a two-guard front, um, and they had, who was it? I think it was AD uh, up high on that play. Um, And Austin and D'Lo were split on the two guards up front. And D'Lo had the ball, and Josh Hart was playing ball denial on Austin Reeves near half court. Now, first of all, 
if you know that the other team is going to ball pressure, one of the strategies to beat that is to stretch them out. So like, oh, you're going to play ball denial on me at the three-point line? I'm actually going to back up all the way to half court, and I'm going to wait here. so that all, And that causes five guys to cover more distance. So what the Lakers do on this play is D'Lo's got the ball, and Hart is playing ball denial on him, and Austin back cuts into the open space at the free throw line. That's how you beat the ball pressure, right? Or, or, and ball denial. And so he cuts into that space. Brunson actually has a really good rotation uh, on that. Austin makes the pass into the corner. But that sort of read and react style of basketball of like, okay, this is what you're doing against us. This is how you beat that. And our our compliance to the manual of basketball, quote unquote, on offense has been really better than ever. And so that plus Jackson and Max off of the bench, their minutes were amazing. Uh, Rui starting uh, and, and all of that. I think that we have a chance to be an exceptional offensive team with Vando's injury, with Cam being out uh, in ways that when you can combine that with a defense that as shorthanded as the Knicks were, a defense that several times this year against good offenses and talented players has shut teams down for six, seven minute stretches. That's exciting. Like they haven't put it all together yet, but we're on the verge of it, Mike. And so let's take a break here. Come back, keep it going. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A lot of good points there, Pete. Let's start with the starting lineup. And Darius, do you have it in front of you? You used a quote that Darvin had answered about the starting lineup in your three things piece. Do you have that in front of you? I do. Cam said, just coming out being bigger along the front line. Torian, he has to do it on both sides of the ball. And I just felt like him coming off the bench would allow us to shore up our bench in terms of defensive presence, but also allow him to get some buckets too. We need him to score and be aggressive offensively, and he was able to do that. He came in with 16 points, so it worked out well, created a sense of balance for us. Yeah, and I think that's a good quote. So this is something we've probably talked about this more than anything else uh, this year, what the balance is for the lineup, 
mm-hmm. how it can work, what the proper way to support LeBron and AD is. And, you know, in our, I think, collective opinion, it was less so just the, the idea of spacing um, as it is the idea of the athleticism and size and rebounding and, uh, and point of attack defense. And that's what Vanderbilt had represented. And I think that was going to be the lineup in the Boston game before LeBron and AD went out. Uh, and so I think there was some question then in my own head, if that was where they were, they were ready to go to, even if we had discussed, maybe that would have, that would have been ideal to be a little bit earlier in the season, then are they going to go back to Prince in New York or are they going to go with Rui? And they went with Rui. And I thought that was like, great. Now, yeah, Prince ends yeah. up playing uh, Darius mentions this in his piece. Uh, and I think Pete, you may have even said earlier in the pod, Prince ends up playing a lot more in this specific scheme with the traps against Brunson. Um, you know, you get that to a certain extent, but I, like, I still think yeah. there's some, there are some, there's some utility to Rui that maybe isn't recognized, uh, you know, all the time and that he can find ways to impact the game, which he did, I thought, uh, against the Knicks. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I, I am curious to see how that balance goes moving forward. And just to only to have a starter only play 19 minutes uh, is not common, you know, that uh, it, you're almost it's it's tough almost not to play 25 minutes at least. But We'll see. We'll see what that balance is. And maybe against teams that are a little bit bigger than what New York was forced to play uh, because they only had, you know, they were they were so limited in what they were able to put out there. Maybe that's something that evolves as well. But I do think that this represents an important, important shift in in what these lineups and rotations can be. And if they can just if they can now get a rhythm with this with these groups, um, then that does represent upside that was not going to be there in the previous couple of months where, where it just like, it was tough to optimize. I think the groups when that starting group of when it's Austin and D'Lo uh, and uh, Torian playing together, that was, that was a group I think that just showed it was not going to be a, pl- a big plus. And it's going to be harder to play that group, even though they did get some minutes like, in the, in the first quarter, I think Prince was the first one in for Rui, but in the second half, that wasn't the, the first rotation. Rui stayed in and Prince came in, I think, for for D'Lo. Was it D'Lo or Austin? I think it was for D'Lo uh, before D'Lo returned. And, and then that, to me, that group makes more sense, right? So you're that's that's the whole concept of splitting up that trio where you're small in the perimeter and you don't have the point of attack. Yeah, so basically Prince played more guard. The Knicks are an interesting team because they play tip-style basketball, Pete, but they were playing like warrior-style lineups with, with like guys who are 6'5" basically yep. a bunch of them, right? And so it's like DiVincenzo and Hart and then Brunson. And it's like, I still think those groups would allow Rui to defend one of those guys, but they had Prince on Brunson, which of the available guys, like I would have still preferred Max on on Brunson personally, but Max had some very good defensive possessions against DiVincenzo. Um, he blocked a couple of jumpers, like straight up just block jumpers. Um, and those are difficult plays. So yeah, the idea that... Well, in, in important, they stuck with him the whole fourth quarter too, yep. by the way, uh, in, in at age 20 in, in, in the garden to close it out. Like that was big. Yeah, and it's because they needed his perimeter defense. And... That was the thing that they went to, Pete. It was it wasn't just like, oh, well, Prince played the whole fourth quarter too, and Rui didn't get as much playing time. Rui played 19 and a half minutes, and Prince nearly played 33, right? And so in theory, if Prince gets a normal shift in the fourth and Rui plays his normal minutes, they probably both end up in the 25-minute range. 
Prince is probably closer to 26, 27, and Rui's right around 25. But that's not what happened. Rui didn't get that fourth quarter shift, and the Lakers played with their perimeter-based group. But they also just played with one of the skill guards. And I think that the identity of this team is going to be more and more like there are going to be times where the Austin D'Lo pairing is needed, right? Against Boston, for example, both of those guys needed to play. No LeBron. You needed the ball handling. You needed the shot making. And D'Lo had 14 assists against Boston. His playmaking was phenomenal. And Austin was the guy who provided the shot making. And he scored 32 points and made a boatload of by the way, if you could find it, there's a clip. Celtics blog posted this clip of, oh, of some of, of their Austin writers. Cooking them and they're watching yes. it. Some Freaking of their beautiful. writers doing the playback times. TV stuff. Yeah. My only comment on that one was they like they were looking at Austin in the way that one of my favorite games of all time, a non-Laker game, Rockets Clippers, right? Josh Smith, Corey Brewer. They, they were they were looking at it's like Austin makes threes. Yeah, he's been a little cool lately. But guys, Austin Reeves is not like a scrub who can't hit threes. That's all that, that, that just want to point that out. Also, too, like they're sort of half logging this for a player like Austin Reeves. Like it was. What do you mean by that? That, that was in the ether <laughs> sorry, there, sorry, too. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That was in the ether there, too. Anyways, so there are times, Pete, where. The Austin D'Lo pairing is super appropriate. To start, they obviously start the game together, but there's more opportunity, I think, now for the Lakers to shift towards these groups where it's only one guard that's on the court, yes. particularly if Prince is going to come off the bench. And I appreciated Darwin's explanation of him saying, like, we want Prince to score more. Great. And the opportunities on the bench are where he's likely going to get those. I think Rui's going to score regardless. Like he's he's a more versatile offensive player where it's like he's getting buckets inside his size and his ability to like post up play in the mid range. He's just going to get more chances. I think in general, Prince sort of needs the more openness of the game for him to get baskets. And that's in the middle portions of the game rather than at the start where he's like, oh, my God, I've got to guard Kevin Durant. Exactly that. And. In terms of the minutes with him and Rui, if that sort of split where he gets 30-something and Rui gets 19, if that's an every night thing, I'll have an issue with that. But in that particular game, we didn't have anybody to guard Brunson. We have a very real perimeter defense problem, especially with Vando out now. That is exacerbated by Gabe and Cam also being out. So our three best perimeter defenders were out in this game. And are out for the foreseeable future. At least uh, we'll get, hopefully get news on Cam and Gabe soon. But that leaves the late. You, you framed it, D, as, as like having the opportunity to have a little more perimeter defense out there. That's a very nice way of saying we can't guard nobody. <laughs> we actually needed to have another guy. And so this speaks to your point about having only one skill guard out there because we're going to need to do what we did in that game to win more often. My question to you guys, though, and I I think Max and and Hayes come into this a little bit uh, from the regular season perspective, especially, but we got the trade deadline on Thursday. And so if Vando is out for the foreseeable future, if not the year, does that change how you guys view how we should be approaching the the deadline on Thursday? Not necessarily. I've, I've kind of been in the camp of if it's a good move, make it. If it's not a good move, don't. And you have to that that includes both this season and the chance to make a run and in the offseason. But 
I guess the way I would say it is for what the Lakers have to trade, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to make the type of move for a, for like a major championship type game changer. Uh, but can they make a move around the margins to add something? And, and so Pete, I guess to more directly answer your question, then does that shift a little bit if Vanderbilt is out um, to, instead of like a backup, another backup center or something, and maybe even now that Jackson Hayes is playing better, right. That becomes less of a thing um, to a, a perimeter defender. And, but then guess what? Gabe Vincent, right. When is he going to be reevaluated from what I recall it was December 27th um, that the announcement came that it was going to be, you know, like essentially eight weeks. So we're still almost a month. I mean, I guess closer a to three away. weeks, three weeks away from him getting reevaluated. Yes. And so, but that means if, if it goes well and if he is available, then that could be March um, for Vincent to come back. And then guess what you have from in Gabe Vincent perimeter defense, you know, point of attack defense. Like he's pretty good at that. And, and I, that's where the medical staff and, you know, and Rob Palenka are going to know that better than anybody else. And we may not hear about it for a while because because they're not going to talk about a guy while he's out injured. But if they have confidence that Vincent can come back, uh, then then that leads me kind of back to where I was, Pete, uh, in, in terms of what they're going to try to bring into the roster. But I still wouldn't make a trade uh, unless it was going to be a good trade for the summer as well uh, and for like in for next year. I don't know if that made sense, <laughs> Darius, but it's a it, it's it's just it's a complicated it's a complicated roster at this point, uh, given all of the things that you have to factor in. These injuries don't help it. I'm sort of where you are. I I'm leaning more towards wanting to make a deal. I think that the Lakers relying on Gabe to be ready is a tricky proposition for the Lakers, I think. And if. You gave me a crystal ball. Like, is Gabe Vincent going to be ready to play at the level that he played during the playoffs last season when he comes back in March? And if the Magic 8 ball says unlikely or ask me again in a month, well, a month is too long from now to wait. Yeah, just quick clarifier, though. The, the team, they, they should know more than we do, though, is, is I guess my point. Like, they should have a pretty good idea um, of if he's going to be available. 100%. I'm saying that him making the appropriate amount of progress in between now and the trade deadline is three days from now, um, or the, him being on track, that's a different thing than them being confident. I don't know if you can speak with confidence that he'll be, that he'll be at the level that he needs to be. Now, it's a tricky thing. You need a partner in this, Pete, and there's no guarantee that the Lakers will have a partner. And that's why like the trade stuff, we've gone over it a ton over the last two and a half seasons, basically, about like what the team does or does not need or how difficult it is or isn't to make a deal. I think we'll probably hit this topic one more time before Thursday, but I'm in a spot where I'm trying to fortify this roster to for it to be the best that it can be going into the stretch run. And it's sort of where I've been been at. And uh, I wouldn't mind getting a player that would be on the roster for longer as well, just to sort of be able to map out the next two to three seasons, but like potentially. I would put the types of players that are usually available at this time into two different categories. And one being the guys you got to trade a first round pick for, and then the guys that you could trade seconds for. 
And the guys that you got to trade a first round pick for normally also require a certain amount of salary to go out just in just for the salaries to match. Lakers do not have any big expiring contracts like they did last year. And so that is usually when you want to make a talent upgrade uh, from a first round pick standpoint, that's usually what you need in order in order to do that. And last year's trade deadline was an example of that. Lakers got a lot of a lot of guys back because they had a lot of expiring contracts on the books. And then the the second order of guys is usually guys that you can trade kind of salary ballast out of rotation guys that make enough salary to cobble together for, hey, this is a good seventh man and you can get him for eighth man. You can get him for two, three seconds. There were a few guys last year that went for five seconds that I think is kind of viewed as the equivalent or close to of a first round pick. Um, And so I think, I mean, I, I legitimately don't know, but I think that there is definitely an argument for going after somebody that can just be helpful, especially in the absence of Vando that can play defense and be a good eighth man. Uh, and I think that Vando going down, like Wojid reported that the Lakers were looking for speed and athleticism. And I think that that's absolutely what we should be looking for if, if that is true. I think maybe the size of that person needs to be a little bit bigger if Vando is out. But like Darius was saying, you don't get to pick your dance partners in this. And in a league where 10 teams make it in both conferences, the number of sellers really isn't that many. So in Mike's spirit of if it's a good trade, make it. If it's not, don't. I think there's a lot of that. So let's go to break. Well, we'll if, come back, uh, just come quick, back quick, with it, break. Just let quick, tiny little Please. note on that. Just the extra roster spot too, right? So that just something to consider about. Like the Lakers have uh, the yeah. 15th roster spot. And so, you know, it's just something to consider. Like they could bring, whether it's a buyout situation or they can bring somebody in like a two for one, um, almost, you know, where they get two bodies. That's just something that they have in their pocket. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I know, too, that it's like we could, I could talk about the trade deadline forever yeah, and ever can. and ever. I get your screenshots. I know sometimes I just send them to Pete, Mike, just to save you. Yeah, yeah. That's the, we don't want to bother Mike with this. This is, this is beneath yeah, Mike. Just, I, well, I don't know about the word beneath, but I do appreciate you using some, um, you know, some, some judgment. Discretion. Yeah, some, thank you. Discretion was the word I was looking for. Yeah, just send oh, me the top man. line items. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. In, in our thread is where we work them out, right? Is like, yeah, like we send it to each other. It's like, is this trash? Is this a terrible yeah. trade? I'm going to work out this different, with Pete yeah, real quick. Yeah. I was listening to a different pod and it was, um, I, was, I was listening to a Ringer group chat and, you know, Justin Verrier and Big Waz were trying to like throw out LeBron trades and Mahoney was basically playing the role of me um, in this case of just like, guys, do we really like, do we have to do this one with like, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> now you're, you two are not along. The, you're not just throwing stuff out there just cause you're, you're like really, you know, trying to find, you're trying your hardest to find something that would work. Uh, and, and I respect and appreciate that. So I don't want you to get the wrong, uh, you know, the wrong feeling about this. It's not, it's not one of disrespect. Mike. So 
one of the things I wanted to hit before we wrapped up here is good times, Boston win, New York win. We'll see what the Lakers do tonight in Charlotte. We're not going to spend much time at all previewing the Charlotte game. Um, we just hope the Lakers come with the, with the right intensity and focus. Where I want to shift our intensity and focus to is we didn't hit this at all over the last week, like week and a half. The Lakers had all-star news, and we just didn't talk about it at all, right? And so LeBron's a starter for the all-star team. Again, 20th all-star game. And then a week later, AD was rightfully named as a reserve to the all-star team. And I think it's his ninth all-star game, but there was some consternation, Mike, across the internet. Um, Not a lot of it, but some about the lack of representation among teams that are above the Lakers in the standings. Now, the Timberwolves did get two players. Carl Anthony Towns was named as a reserve next to Anthony Edwards, who was rightfully named a starter. Um, Some were arguing that should it have been Towns? Should it have been Gobert? Fine. OKC got one representative. Great. Shea, he's an MVP candidate. But then as you go down the standings, People seem to be upset about the Kings not having a single representative named to the all-star team, Mike. And there were some arguments being made that's just like, oh, well, maybe Sabona should have been named or Fox should have been named. And when people were arguing about names to drop, one of the names that came up was Anthony Davis. Like, Anthony Davis maybe should not be an all-star. What are your thoughts around this general idea, like the all-star in general, picking reserves. Do do you have philosophy around this stuff? I have strong opinions about this specific thing, but please, I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, I do. I do have thoughts on this. I think that, let me me zoom out first about all-star. What I get frustrated at is when we we think about the all-star game and all-stars and get so hyper-focused just on essentially the standings for this first part of the year and act like we don't have information, whether it's from last year, whether it's from last year's playoff run, whether it's from previous years uh, in terms of history as to like whether guys are good or not. And it to me, all like when we have information in any walk of life, we should use it. And here's the example that I want to use. And it's about Sacramento and where they fall in the standings. And um, and I guess I should give a disclaimer. I, too, had a king on my all-star ballot, and I would have replaced Carl Anthony Towns. I, you take your pick, Sabonis or Fox. Um, I think that Fox is the slightly more important overall player for their team. Um, Sabonis has better numbers. I think a lot of that's because they run everything through him. So I would have had a king on the roster too. I get why their fans would be upset, uh, and and that's all fair. But this is where we bring in what Darius was hinting at with Anthony Davis. Like when, when you have a player that is clearly just better than a, d- a different player – there has to be, to me, a massive gap uh, in in not just the standings, but in what the team's upside is. So here's where we get to, to my point here. So Sacramento has 19 losses. The Lakers have 25 losses. That's a difference of six losses. Uh, is that a huge deal? I don't think so. Um, uh, here's why. Last year, as the Kings showed us, they were, what were they, the three seed um, in the Western Conference? They were the healthiest team in the West. They were he- the healthiest team in many years. And they lost in the first round. Did they take Golden State to seven games? Sure. But they were the home team. They lost in they lost in in that context. And that kind of showed us what sort of a team they are. 
So now again, regular season, they're they have a really nice offense in the regular season. Um, they compete hard. I think they're coached well. They're ten games over five hundred. They're, they're a good team. But on the nights when a team really buckles down, um, they are they show their warts, and I think they're going to be right back where they were last year, um, a first round playoff loser. Does that so? We're not talking about a juggernaut. They're not where OKC or Minnesota at or thirty five and fifteen, um, and where they've been killing everybody all year. So they're not they're not the type of team in, that, that that should be discussed of uh, as just getting these automatic bids in an all star and taking a player like Anthony Davis off the table when the Lakers are a couple games back of them. The Lakers have lost a lot of games when they've missed either LeBron James or Anthony Davis. Uh, and if they played in a series, I think the Lakers would beat them. So I've probably said enough at this point. It's just let's take all of the information in uh, when when these kind of things come up. And Anthony Davis isn't the name to be taken off the list because uh, because of where the Lakers are. I think the MVP should go to the best player in basketball. And I think the all-star teams should be the 12 best players in each, each conference. This shit started in 1997 when Carl Malone won MVP because people were fucking bored of voting for Michael Jordan as the best player in basketball. And it actually, and, and, and then that's why Shaq and Kobe have as many MVPs combined as freaking Steve Nash does. At some point, the right, this is where I, if you got me drunk, the rant I would go on on this particular topic, you were talking about taking in all the information, all the shit that people factor in, it's all team shit. It's all standings. It's all the easy metrics to follow that are like, oh, well, what's the standings? Offensive rating, net rating, exactly. It's yeah. because y'all offensive are lazy and rate, don't watch the is, fucking games. Rating, you know? defensive rating, and that, you can't tell the, the difference between the good players and the bad players, or the good players and the players that are not quite as good. And you're telling me that, like, the degrees that it goes to of, like, freaking galaxy branding things, as opposed to being, Anthony Davis is not one of the 12 best players in the Western Conference. Is that not what the all-star team's supposed to be? Right. And, and he's, the, he's one of the five best players, by the way. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said it this way, Pete, because I am so sick and tired as well of the idea of this may be this only time that this player is going to make it. If that's your argument, because they have a good record, guess what? This dude's not an all-star. Then he's that's not an okay. all-star. If... This is his only chance. Sorry, Jamal McGlure. You don't get to make it. Think of the word star, and it is the all-star game. There was a time where I was like, man, I honestly think Jason Kidd should be in every all-star game until he can no longer basically dribble or walk. You know why? Because he's a star player, but he also makes the game more fun. He enhances what basketball is supposed to be about in this environment, right? So he, when it's time to compete, he's going to compete. But when it's time to have fun, he's going to bring the requisite fun to, to the game and keep you entertained. I don't need screen assists in the All-Star game. I don't need DHOs. Sorry, like I love Sabonis and whatever. But I'm tired of this idea that Oh, well, this team had, this team's got such a great record. It's like Mike, that season where the Hawks oh had God. Like it's four all stars because they had the, like the people who vote on this damn near 50 wins at the all star break. Yeah. 
and I'm glad you brought up that Atlanta team though, because what happened, because what had happened to them the previous year and what happened to them that year? And we ignored no all that memories. because they were hot in October, November, December, and January. And, and, and that's, and that's all. And I, I also, I just want to make clear though, no. this is not about like, this is not a Laker thing. Uh, I, if Steph Curry not, had been left off the all-star game for De'Aaron Fox, I would have been, or so, people had been arguing for it that way. And there were some, it's like, no, Steph Curry is a much better player. And I get it. The Warriors are again, the Warriors are mm-hmm. six games back in the last column of the Kings, but they beat them last year. And I think I'd pick him to beat him again this year. And Steph is by far the better player. So let's reward that. For what it's worth, Fox would be on my all-star team over Cat as well. Like I, I think De'Aaron Fox is actually pretty <laughs> underrated uh, and is as absolutely an all-star. So it's not even yeah. a, an argument against those, right? It's it's this goes beyond just a, a Lakers thing. Excellent player. Steph's also one of the five or six most recognizable players in the world who's still awesome at basketball. This isn't a charity case. It's it's fucking Steph Curry, just like it's LeBron James, just like it's Anthony Davis. And the idea that Anthony Davis is not amongst these players who are also so good at basketball that he should not be included in this group is fucking ludicrous to me. The idea that's just like, oh, well, Devin Booker. It's just like, yeah, great. Devin Booker's great. He's amazing. You know who else is amazing? Anthony Davis. And so please stop talking to me as if Anthony Davis is in this other tier of player that he's amongst the dregs of the all-stars who should not be an immediate in he is one of if not the best defensive players in the world who also averages 25 points a game do you ever hear his name brought up amongst the best two-way players in the league (laughs) we got to wrap up we uh we packed a lot into this episode but uh uh we will be back no you yes yes all right, <laughs> we'll be yes. back tomorrow. Let's get a let's get a win tonight. Close out the road trip four and two. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Bryant! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James.
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.